Last time on the Cellcast, the animated series. Then we get the dog, which was really cool, until the 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 flipping of the head back and yes. the fat things coming out of his mouth. I'm like, jeez, please. Well, I mean, your first clue that there's something very, very wrong with this dog is after Tendy leaves, yeah. its head snaps back and, yeah. sl- and it turns into spider dog like, yeah. in the most horrifying way yeah, possible. Just, okay. And then Boris says, but you knew that thing could do all that stuff. says, yeah, don't normal dogs do that? No! no! Even the dogs oh, are the, the... Well, guess what? You are a freak! <laughs> I know, I just didn't want to concern you! Ray! We're wrong? Okay! This progress is a part of Christian Reek Central Network! And Christian Reek Central Rock Wrong! Hey, Scoop! What are you doing, man? I don't know, I'm supposed to be reading an ad! All right, hold on. Give me, give me it. Okay. <laughs> All right. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. The animated series. Joining me today is a man who might just find himself in a tank full of eels, Jacob. Uh, no, thank you. I don't want to get electrified. Thank you very much. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man who believes he's at a trial for some reason. Welcome, Drew. Well, when you got a thousand Klingon-looking aliens standing around like it's a... Uh, like it's Star Trek Six all over again. Uh-huh. What are you supposed to think? Uh, maybe it's a party. Nah, it can't nah, be. Nah, it can't be. All right, no. so uh, today we're reviewing Season 1, Episode 8 of Star Trek Lower Decks, Veritas. Mm-hmm. This episode was written by Garrick Bernard and directed by Kim Arndt. Uh, in this episode, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are caught off guard when certain aliens force them to testify about a series of apparently unrelated events. Mm-hmm. In this episode, the entire play thing takes place in a room that looks suspiciously like the Klingon trial room from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Exactly. And I think they did this on purpose. Duh. Uh... Kurtwood Smith plays the alien Clar in this episode. Smith is famous to RoboCop fans for playing the bad guy, uh, which doesn't oh, say who that yeah, is. Oh, yeah. Oh, and he also played the president of the United Federation of Planets in Star Trek VI Undiscovered Country. Uh, at one point during the episode, Mariner and Boimler are debating who the, uh, the biggest uh, people who could kick people's butts is. That's not the words they use. I just don't like cussing. Uh, Boimler mentions uh, Rogadanar, who is played by Jeff McCarthy, in the TNG episode The Hunted. And, as Boimler said, he did briefly outsmart Picard. However, most, only the TNG fans probably even know who Rogadanar is, because yeah, it's not I'm, in a good episode. <laughs> but, of course, me. Mariner went with Khan. Yeah. And, of course, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um... She mentions that 
uh, Calm was a genetically engineered supervillain, and she mentions that dude was a space seed. <laughs> space seed was the name of the episode in the original series in which Khan originally appeared. That is the most forced joke in this episode, wow. in my yeah. opinion. Uh, also, Tindy refers to Khan's thick, thick chest. This is probably an allusion to uh, the urban myth that Ricardo Montalban, who played Khan in both uh, the original series episode Space Seed and the Wrath of Khan, wore a prosthetic chest while filming Wrath of Khan. Which is true. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know how to be like either, because I've heard conflicting stories about that. Mm-hmm. But I bet it was made from rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> I broke him. <laughs> By the way, director Nicholas Meyer has repeatedly said that Khan's thick, thick chest was all 100% Ricardo Montalban. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um... At one point, Mariner is uh, super concerned that they might get kicked off the ship and be forced to live on Earth. And she says, where there's nothing to do but drink wine and hang out at uh, Venter's and soul food restaurants. This is a reference to both Captain Picard and Captain Sisko, who are the only two captains that their life on Earth was ever shown. Uh, Captain Picard, of course, is... uh, his family had a vineyard Uh in France, which is hilarious when you consider the actor is British. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we've seen it a couple times, whereas Captain Sisko was originally from New Orleans, mm-hmm. and his great-grandfather, or his grandfather actually, had a soul food restaurant in New Orleans. Huh. The uh, bug captain, the captain of the bug race thing that they were fighting at one point? Yeah. Uh, that act, he was played by uh, Kenneth Mitchell, who played, who on Star Trek Discovery played the Klingons Cole, Kolsha, and Tinovic. Uh, he plays the insect-like Captain Sertave hmm. in this episode. Uh, at one point, Captain Freeman tells Mariner to send them a message to the alien ship, in which Mariner fires the phasers right away. This could be a reference to the Wrath of Khan when Khan says, explain it to them, which means he wants his lackeys to fire a photon uh-huh. torpedo. However, I'm also going to say that this might be a reference to the uh, Season 1 uh, series two-parter of star trek discovery which is entitled the vulcan hello huh. which means fire photon torpedoes on the klingons <laughs> uh jacks at one point mentions a denoblian flesh-eating bacteria uh denoblians or a race that originally appeared in the uh, prequel series enterprise mostly in the form of dr Phlox, the ship's doctor wow uh, he did have a bunch of unorthodox treatments which might have included Weird flesh-eating stuff. Nah. Uh, Rutherford, apparently, uh, when he was uh, unconscious, did the Vulcan nerve pinch better than uh, Vul- <laughs> uh, Vulcans apparently could do it. Uh, Non-Vulcans have done the nerve pinch before on several occasions. Picard did it in the TNG episode Starship Mine. Hmm. Data did it in Unification. And Michael Burnham did it in the Vulcan Hello. Most hilariously, McCoy tried to do a Vulcan nerve pinch in the search for Spock, but failed miserably. Yeah, well, he thought he was a Vulcan. He kind of had Spock's Katra messing with him. Yeah. Hey, well, that's something when you have a second, you know, second mm-hmm. Katra in your, in your oh, yeah. head. 
During the covert mission to the planet Vulcan, presume uh, Jax, Rutherford, and Phillips are flying a classic Vulcan shuttle that is of the same design as Spock's in uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay. Other famous starships in the museum we saw were uh, a Jem'Hadar fighter from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, a Ferengi shuttle from TNG, uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, a D7 or Katinga class Klingon battlecruiser seen in the motion picture, the original series, the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and technically Discovery, several Federation shuttlecraft of the Next Generation era, a classic original series shuttlecraft, mm-hmm. the Vulcan landing ship from First Contact, huh. a Tholian ship seen both in the Tholian web and in a mirror darkly, and uh, interestingly enough, Something that looks like the monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Huh. The uh, ship that they steal is a classic original series air Romulan Bird of Prey. Uh, prior to this episode of Lower Decks, this style of Romulan ship had only been seen in canon three other times. Huh. In the original series episode Balance of Terror and The Enterprise Incident and in the Picard episode Absolute Candor. That said, the Bird of Prey in the Enterprise Incident was digitally inserted into the remastered Enterprise Incident in 2008. So really, the ship has only appeared in canon in 1968, 2008, and twice in 2020. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) The uh, Federation Guard uh, was also voiced by Kenneth Mitchell. Uh, Their security armor and helmet were reminiscent of the outfit's of security guards seen in Star Trek The Motion Picture, The Search for Spock, and The Undiscovered Country. Jax at one point tells Rutherford to do a fan dance to distract the guard. This references Uhura doing a fan dance with feathery fans on the planet Nimbus 3 in Star Trek V The Final Frontier. He does not even do it well, and let's face it, we didn't want to see him do it well. No. Especially since this joke comes right the smack out of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, the chief engineer of the Cerritos, Phillips, makes two references to Next Generation when he's running around when he's running out of oxygen. He states that Mark Twain's got a gun, and Tasha, no, the garbage bag's behind you. <laughs> the Twain thing reference, uh, a bit about uh, Mark Twain references uh, the TNG when the TNG crew went back to uh, back in time to find Data's head mm-hmm. in the two-parter times arrow and uh tasha's the tasha comment refers to tasha yar's death in the episode skin of evil when a creature who you could say is very reminiscent of a garbage bag does kill tasha yar in reality it was uh printer's ink and i don't know what that thing he was covered in that the printer's ink was on all i know is they had to be very careful not to swallow it because it could have killed him Oh, well, that's good to know. Yep. The Gorn wedding uh, that we see in this, I'm not. Well, I'm not. While well, uh, it may not be a uh, Easter egg, but uh, the Gorn did originally appear in the original series episode Arena. Hmm. And as far as I know, that's the only time they've ever appeared in canon besides now, except for I want to say they showed up once in Enterprise, but don't quote me on that. Uh, everything about the Romulan, the interior of the Romulan ship matching TNG era Romulan ships, seems to be a reference to the episode "Face of the Enemy," in which Troy is kidnapped by Romulan agents, but also made to work for them. Hmm. 
This marks the second episode of Lower Decks in a row where uh, they wear all black body stock body stocking outfits from the TNG episode Chain of Command. Uh, the Romulan guards are talking about what they hate most being the Remans. Uh, the Remans were did not originally show up until the 2002 film Star Trek Nemesis. Mm. Although he was human, the Picard clone named Shinzon, played by Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. considered himself a Reman. True. There were but yeah, Remans don't look like that guy up there. No. Twice in this episode, we get a very special appearance from everybody's favorite semi-god, <laughs> Q. Played by John DeLancey. In both instances, he is wearing his judge's robes from the TNG episodes Encounter at Farpoint and All Good Things. In the context of Encounter at Farpoint, this outfit is actually taken from Earth's future history. At some point in the 21st century, several draconian courtrooms existed on Earth in which the rulings were neither fair nor just. And Q asks, do you really think that humanity is worth saving and calls humanity a savage child race hmm. the ridiculous board game though might be a reference to uh, the ne- deep space nine episode move along home i.e the worst episode of star trek deep space nine in which the crew had to act out certain moves that were reminiscent of a board game but q was not involved in that particular episode hmm. but i could see it happening he did uh, turn all of the crew of the enterprise at one point into the characters from robin hood Hmm. In a very great, good, funny episode, I must add. Gotcha. Uh, this is the first time we've actually seen a salt vampire. Uh, or seen originally in the original series episode, The Man Trap, which, by the way, was the first broadcast episode of Star Trek. Oh, okay. Uh, they said they died out about a century ago. That would be about the time uh, Kirk and crew ran into them on uh, the planet M113. Ah. When uh, Dr. Ta'ana says that nobody on the ship remembers her, this could be a reference to the Next Generation episode, Remember Me, in which Dr. Crusher enters a small bubble parallel universe in which people she knows starts to vanish from existence. Hmm. However, I like the fact that pretty much the characters from the Cerritos are on this other <laughs> ship, but totally different. Yeah. Especially the cat, the human version of Ta'ana. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to prove that Starfleet officers are good people, but sometimes totally ignorant of what's going on in the galaxy, Boimler rattles off several examples of Starfleet officers not knowing something that was utterly nuts. Did Picard know about the Borg? References the TNG episode Q-Who, in which Q forces the Enterprise to encounter the Borg. Picard may not have known about the Borg in 2365, but there's some debate that some people in the Federation did. Seven of Nine's parents from Voyager knew about the Borg in the 2350s. Did Kirk know about the giant Spock on Phylos? Wait a minute, there was a giant Spock? (laughs) This reference is an episode of the animated series called The Infinite Vulcan. The giant Spock was a huge Spock clone named Spock 2. Original. It is the animated series. (laughs) Uh, Did Dr. Crusher know about that ghost in the lantern from the Scottish planet that she hooked up with that one time? I'm looking at you very confused. <laughs> this is from the Next Generation episode, Sub Rosa. And yes, Dr. Crusher did hook up with a ghost and a lantern in that episode. And it is a bad episode. Okay, then. <laughs> it convinces her to give up Starfleet and live like live like her uh, mother on that planet did. 
Okie dokie. It's taken care of by the end of the episode. I gotcha. Boimler's mic drop moment is when he drop says the word drumhead before dropping the uh, horn on the ground. The drumhead is a reference to the Next Generation episode, The Drumhead, in which uh, Picard gives midway through the episode uh, near the end of the episode gives a speech that ends a witch hunt trial in essence uh in the tng in that episode uh it refers to uh about uh, first to the head of a drum that would be upended on a battlefield to serve as an ad hoc judge's bench Makes basically sense. what would ha- what was happening in the tng episode yeah is this uh person was going was trying to investigate trying to find all the problems was going on and kept bringing up things that most people would have no way pe- people were probably guilty of in reality yeah. but they are things that almost anyone else would have forgiven them for and he that episode went all the way back through TNG yeah. bringing up stuff that most people would have forgotten about mm. it is it's I don't know it's being pedantic is what it's it's about it's it's like when you listen to a bunch of Star Trek fans uh, or Star Wars fans talk about something that happened in one talk about how bad this one movie is or something mm. and bring up the stupidest things that no one really cares about. Yeah. That's how I look at it anyway. At the end of the episode, Q shows back up and <laughs> says, I challenge you to a duel to the lower deckers. This is a reference to the character of Trelane from the episode, the Squire of Gothos. It is a fan theory that Trelane from that episode mm-hmm. was a Q. Huh? But no one knew who it was. In fact, it might have been a pre-John Delancey Q character. But we don't actually know. Interesting. And yes, Trelline did challenge Kirk to a duel in that episode. Also at the end, uh, Q speaks French when talking about Picard. Mariner says, get out of here, Q. We're, we're done with your... We're not doing any of your dumb Q bullcrap. She says... S'il vous plaît, yeah. He says, S'il vous plaît, Mariner. This implies he knows Mariner pretty well, which is hilarious when she tells him she's not French and he should go bother Picard. <laughs> Q says, Picard is no fun. He's always quoting Shakespeare. He's always making wine. <laughs> Picard quoted Shakespeare to Q specifically in the specifically Hamlet in the TNG episode Hide and Q. Uh, mentioning that Picard is making wine at this point in time is interesting because uh, we know that in 2385, Picard will leave Starfleet and go live in his vineyard in France. But in 2380, Picard is still in Starfleet. Is he making wine on the Enterprise right now? Maybe. Probably. Uh, And the other interesting thing I noted is uh, the Romulan Warbirds in this episode were of the TNG-era Romulan Warbirds. But, and this is me being pedantic here, Nemesis had a great deal of uh, showed a great deal of uh, architectural redesign for most of the Romulan fleet. They still kind of they still looked Romulan. They still yeah. kind of looked like cooked the same. There wasn't that much of an advancement, but they changed things up. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't know if that was a Reman redesign or came about because Shinzana took over, or if that was just yeah. how things were going. But the Reman ships look different from the Romulan ships, but. That's all beside the point. My yeah. guess is these just happened to be four older Romulan warbirds that were still in service. Oh, okay. They had not been uh, decommissioned yet. That's my theory. I have I no idea. I just was bringing that up. Um, I've talked a lot already. So, as always, Jacob, your thoughts 
Hmm. Well, you did bring up a lot of very good points that I would have been like, like I was like when you were talking, I was like, say what? <laughs> like, I had no idea what you were talking about. After that. It's like, okay. I'd be like watching the show. It was fun. Be like, it was, there was, oh, I, there was some I, slight confusion here. I was over here giggling. Yes. The entire time, because every time I, that giggle fit would go, would start to die back down, they'd say something else that would start it back up. True. He was giggling the entire time. Um, it was a good episode. It was a little confusing here and there. Um, definitely as we're, we're trying to navigate what these these aliens are really wanting, because we first be like, oh, where's... Be like, be like, did you see a map? And obviously we see that Boimler and... Um, Mariner mm-hmm. be like obviously can see the captain holding the map, but the captain was behind them with the map. They never actually saw the map. They were looking forward at the screen the whole time. True. That either thing, way, honestly, either way. I think that's more a reference to the fact that somehow uh, Data and whoever was running the navigator station over there, yeah, somehow always were aware of what was going on, despite the fact they were in front of everybody. And Data always had some kind of uh, point to make about whatever was going on, despite the fact he shouldn't even, he probably can't even see Picard half the time. True. So, yeah, that's just my thought. Yeah. Um, and plus, they did kind of sneak in and were unaware of, like, half of what was going on during that point, because they didn't hear the red alert uh, alarm go off. That's true. And also, that's a good point with the fact to be, like, our our lower deck cast has no, be like, they're not privy to all the information in which our... Our interrogator, our interrogator, I'm yeah. giving air quotes here, uh, uh, they really have no privy to what is going on with the, with the, the uh, with the bridge. Right. They're, they're, they're only doing their job. They're, they're not given information on or briefings or whatever because the, the bridge crew is too busy, air quotes again. Um, and well, it's, they got to pick out which type of, uh, chair they should put in the conference room because i mean you know how big, saw how big that argument was two couple episodes ago that is true that is very, very true uh maybe fact, it'll have rich corinthian leather <laughs> the the fact that bornler points out be like uh it's like yeah our our uh our main staff has a be like yeah they're flawed human beings and they they do have you know indication huh well one's a Cation, one's a uh bajoran and the other three are human okay I'm just being pedantic. Sorry, that's okay. fine. Um, and that is true. Be like our 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 uh, our main bridge crews be like very flawed. They they do make mistakes, and I, I I like the idea that we we get this where our lower decks don't they're not they're not informed about anything uh, for the most part unless it's Mariner going in and messing something up or be like it's the the shenanigans we don't as viewers we're only privy to what the lower deck guys are known for and sometimes what's going the, well, the and captain spe- and specifically this group of lower deck yeah this uh, particular group. yeah exactly uh, it was very confusing what we're we're dropped in the middle of this we have no idea what's going on and so we're we are in the uh our lower decks cast situation where we're we're confused like they are and so the big revelation is oh it's a celebration party that, like you said in the beginning, it looks like a trial. It looks like the courtroom from Star Trek Six the entire time. And if if you don't give Except them, they the, didn't have giant eel tank. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you don't give them the answer that you they want, they're going to drop you in an eel tank. 
that that's that's a very interesting way of be like, oh, we're doing this big celebration with a big tank of ills. Fascinating. Well, maybe that's their version of a cake. Maybe, except the guy at the high seat was waiting to give his daughter a cake. Either way, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was an enjoyable so episode. It was a little, when Q popped up. That was hilarious. Yes, and that it was, is John Delancey playing Q, yes. which is great. Yeah, it it took me a moment because there again, I am not a Trekkie. See if uh, did I say it right? Yes. Trekkie. Well, uh, okay. Let's be honest. There are two ways. There are two terms: trekkie, Trek, trekker. trekkies, and trekkers. Yeah, there is a difference between the two. I never remember to this day which is the one, which is the normal people who happen to like Star Trek. Yeah, and which are the people who really need to get out more. <laughs> True. Either way, that cue scenes were hilarious. Be like, now I understand about this much. What's going on? Ever since you're you're the you're the uh, the trekkie. Trekkie of the bunch. I'm using Trekkie. That's yeah, what I've always that's, used. That's what I've always heard. I've always used Trekkie. So instead of like in the beginning, I was saying Trekker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just saying be careful. There are people who take that stuff personally. Yes. So I understood uh, the information level I had was about here. Mm-hmm. About a forearm length. Yeah. Everything else was probably down to my rib cage. I was like, okay, what is this stuff? I under- I don't know what's going on. But uh it, it was it was a lot of imp, it was a lot of like deep cut information like you said before yeah um, but there again it was still a fun episode uh, I really I really don't have much to say otherwise of it, it was a bad episode mm-hmm. it was it was a interesting episode the it was funny in a way overall it was it was a fairly good episode so. When this episode started off, and we're focusing on our four main characters, yeah, I had two thoughts where this, which way this episode was going to go. Mm-hmm. A, this was going to be your standard, same story from four different points of view, right? Type story. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Or B, this was going to be the exact send up to the next generation episode, Lower Decks, yeah, where. Each person had a different part to play in an overall mission. In a way, it was that. Okay. Except we didn't have somebody die for no reason. Yeah. But, um, spoiler alert for that episode. <laughs> On that level, I mean, the idea that... It, first problem I had was I, I swear the story is told out of order. But not in a way that you easily know that right. going into it. You start off with this story where Rutherford... I'm sorry, sorry, not with Rutherford, with Boimler, actually it's Mariner, Mm -hmm. mainly you're following Mariner in this part, where they're all down in uh, the shuttle bay, they don't know red alert's going off because Rutherford messed with it to make it extra loud so they wouldn't notice it, but apparently he made a mistake, Mm -hmm. so Tindy and Rutherford go off wherever they're going, Boimler and Mariner are heading up to the bridge because that's where they happen, they're supposed to be on duty for, Mm -hmm. that's their battle stations this week for red alert. And they get up there, uh, one presumes, a little bit late. Yeah. I would say they weren't that late, considering that, uh, A, no one had bothered to page them yet. Yeah. And B, no, uh, she was, uh, Captain Freeman was just getting, was just materializing on the bridge by the time they got up there. Mm-hmm. Which means whatever caused the red alert had just happened. Yeah. That's, they were still well within, I would think, reporting times yeah 
But like I said, I am guessing. Um, and then there's this back and forth where they're ta- where stuff's going down. There's confusion, and then their part ends. Their part literally had the least amount to do with anything. Yeah, which was kind of annoying. And then it goes to the second one, which was funnier, which was Rutherford going on this secret uh, mission. Secret mission to, uh, and they don't tell us what's going on because all they say is, "Hey, how's your was it your Romulan?" Yeah. Uh, Language, language update or something, yeah. or diagnostics, computer yeah. diagnostics, something like mm-hmm. that. He says, "Well, I have to, re- I'll have to reboot, and we'll f- to add, uh. add updated." He says, "Well, you need to reboot now." He says, "Okay," and I usually do it while I'm asleep because then it doesn't give me so many issues. He says, "You need to do it right now." So he does it, and apparently, it restarts every every time something's going to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> or he he gets updates. He's not really wanting updates for. It's, what, hap- I, it's yeah. what happens when you wait too long to get updates. That is true. I swear that was a Windows update joke. But Probably. that makes sense. They made a Windows uh, Buddy uh, um, uh, Windows Buddy image joke thing from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. Um, and apparently his... See, this is the part that doesn't make sense to me. The implants updates cause him to black out yeah but the computer part is still operating because it's able to operate his body yeah that makes in no such sense. a way yeah that he's actually better when he's not awake than when he is shouldn't it be the other way around where he has lost the functionality of the implant yeah while it's rebooting yeah that's just that, that's the weird part of that but I agree you know what I'll, I'll let it go because it's it is funny how he keeps blacking out and waking up, and he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, because he, he blacks out there, and they're on the Vulcan ship. Yeah, they're about to, and they get, and they fall out of uh, this into the atmosphere, doing a halo jump, essentially. Yeah, like we saw in uh, Godzilla. Yeah, it's definitely a halo jump. Yeah, and he blacks, and, and the re- the reboot starts again right before he gets to the ground. And he wakes up and he's in the museum mm-hmm. and he's forced to do that fan dance. Yes. Yeah. While uh, Rutherf- uh not Rutherford, uh, the Bajoran guy whose name I can't remember, is trying to reprogram the Romulan ship so they can that, get into it. Uh-huh. And he breaks out again in the middle. He, uh, breaks out, he blacks out in the middle of that uh-huh. again. So he's wakes up. He's floating through space with no idea what's happening. And he, but he does ask, how on earth am I standing in space? <laughs> and he knocks on the thing. He's like, oh, I'm standing on a cloaked Romulan warbird. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah. There was- and then randomly, he's in the, he wakes up in the middle of a Gorn wedding. It's like, like what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, that, that was the confusing part. It's like, okay, you got a Gorn wedding. Okay, that it's was like, interesting. Okay, how did you get there? Every other every other way I could follow what must have happened yeah. to you while you were asleep. Yeah. How did you get to the Gorn planet to be in the middle of the Gorn wedding? Yeah. And then it but then up. I love how he shuts off, comes back up, and you think, okay, he must be passed out. Nope, they're still chewing on him. <laughs> that <laughs> those, is funny. Those Klingon fonts must not take long at all. Nope. <laughs> update. Update. Yeah. And then you get Tendi. Yeah. The cleaner. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tendi, bless her heart. <laughs> she, Wrong. Be like in the and she does. She she thought when they asked if you're the cleaner that uh, does that she she was there cleaning the conference room. Sure. Yeah. Wrong uh, cleaner. Wrong type of cleaner. And they as she gets drug along on this secret mission, you would think that um, 
Oh, what's his name? The captain, the, the Riker guy. Yeah. Him. You'd think he would have known Tendi was not the cleaner. You would think. But, because she would not have been there when they got all got matching tattoos. True. But, at the same time, obviously she was not briefed on anything outside of what they were talked about there in the conference room for a short second in which she wasn't paying attention. So she didn't realize that her job was just when the time comes, beam everybody out of there. Yeah. She goes full Kung Fu or really Kirk Fu on everybody. Yeah. To which the guy back at the thing says, you expect us to believe you're a martial arts master. <laughs> like I'm just telling you what happens. <laughs> yep. And it turns out that these three stories actually were connected. They were. Not that you knew that. at the at, at, You were kind of starting to suspect it yeah. during the cleaner mission. Yeah. But, because you see the map they were using, I'm still thinking, why do you need a map of the neutral zone? You should know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It has been on, it's been on Star Trek thousands of times. What do you need an extra map for? Yeah. And why did you, the Federation, have to go to some other race to get it? The, the neutral zone is between the Federation and the Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> you were scanning that area of space with 13 stations to make sure the Romulans didn't show up on the Federation's door without you knowing. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what that looks like in your in the Cerritos' databanks. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> it, it was it was slightly confusing until they there was a lot of until they until they wrapped it up a little bit and there's still a lot of confusion there. There's still a lot of confusion. It's like it still doesn't make sense. It's like that's what stellar cartography is for, and that really is what stellar cartography yeah. is yeah, for. Yeah. Why do you need a map? Why do you need a map? You should have. The entire Federation database at your disposal. Right. Especially if this is a secret mission, they should have given you everything you needed in terms of information. Also, why did they have to break into the Vulcan's uh, thing to steal that Romulan Warbird? Couldn't they just ask to borrow it? Mm. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff we were not told because the Lower Decks wasn't told. Uh Because they really didn't want you to think about this too hard. It was just a funny episode. True. If we're being honest, but yes. the problem is, it's Star Trek. You have th- people thinking about it too much. True. Which brings me to actually one of the things why I, I simultaneously, simultaneously enjoyed and hated about this episode. Okay. Q. Okay. A. Q is the overused in Star Trek, in my opinion, for okay. what he is. B. We have only by the by the end of Voyager, the only times Q has ever shown up have been to uh, the Enterprise D for a number of uh, episodes, one episode of Deep Space Nine, and then like seven or eight episodes of Voyager. Yeah. In every single one of those episodes, he actually showed up in a Federation uniform. Hmm. In most cases, that was his standard uniform, unless he was playing a role. And every time he appeared, there was a legitimate reason besides him being Loki. Yeah. Of course, even Loki had his reasons for actually doing what he was doing. Right. In this uh, in this episode, both times we see him show up, it is for no good stinking reason. That is true. Or at least not that we're told. Mm-hmm. That annoys me. Of course, I just like the Deep Space Nine episode where Cisco punches him in the mouth. Very true. 
but admittedly he was used as a joke here that's the entire point of his character and general and he and for some strange reason they did decide to have him be in the judge's robes which yeah. i guess is how most people think of q yeah that's not how I think of Q. Right. I think of him in a standard Federation uniform, at least of the TNG era variety, or mm-hmm. I will take the Voyager era variety, or for goodness sakes, just put him in this era's variety mm. right. of Starfleet uniform. I will be fine with that. Mm. But yeah, I enjoyed Q showing up and having a good time. I was hoping he would have more of a point for being there other than just being there for laughs. Yeah. Because while Q can be an annoying pain in the butt, uh-huh. he usually has a reason for being there, and it's usually not uh, a stupid reason. I gotcha. In this one, I can't tell he had a reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my thought. All right. Also, why are there eels at a birthday party? Exactly. Very, and, very odd. And why did and while it's funny that they only had twenty two minutes uh, reserved, which was the length of the episode. Yeah. Um. Something like this, they could have had a, they could have held in an official banquet hall or something, couldn't they? Yeah, but there again, they wanted to make us confused along with our cast. Confused. I know, but so they could have had it go along and just have a actual close up instead of the guy just being disappointed at the end of the episode. Yeah, I don't know. This is me thinking. I wish it was more like a episode of regular Trek instead of the exaggeration we're getting. Yeah, I really hope at some point we get. A in canon reason for why Lower Decks mm-hmm. is the crazy exaggeration of Star Trek it is. Yeah. Maybe, considering the uh, preview for the next episode, it will be the next episode. Mm. Uh, so before I say the name of the next episode, do you have anything to add? Uh, nope. You're supposed to give me five more seconds. <laughs> Bow, wow, wow. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, join us on the next episode, Crisis Point. Huh. So it's like Crisis on Infinite Earths? <laughs> no. It's just Crisis Point, which I have a feeling is the name of the holo de- novel that looks like they've made in that episode. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, join us then. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page, on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, our RSS feed. If we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, 
where we talk about live action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.